You want to know the secret to a good sermon, or at least to receiving a good sermon or making a pastor preach better. It's engaging in the sermon. Uh, and now this isn't a TV where you're just quietly listening to somebody. Uh, there is this thing we call in the church world a call and response, meaning, you know, if I say something funny, thank you. <laughs> you laugh, right? If, even if it's not funny, just pity me. Just like, ha, 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 laugh at me. Um, but even then, like, if you agree with something in the Bible, we say amen. Amen just means I agree with what you said. So if I say something you agree with, you could say Amen. And so the more you're alive, the more I'm like, oh, they're alive. Great. And it helps us as pastors preach a little bit better. And so I've always tried to be that. I've always tried to be one of those encouragers. Oftentimes I tell you, even on a Sunday when I'm preaching, I thank God for Miss Yvonne because she is great at it. And I'm like, if no one else is in the room, Yvonne's cheering me on. She's got me. I'm there. Um, but there's an old call and response, a really known one throughout the church world. Maybe some of you remember it. It goes like this. God is good. And all the time, see, we remember stuff like that. We grew up with certain things like that. But I was thinking about that call and response, and I was asking myself, well, what does that really mean? Because sometimes we say things over and over again, and we say it so much that we don't really remember its meaning or understand its meaning. But when you say God is good, what does that even mean? Especially if you're from Chicago, because good can mean a bunch of different things if you're from Chicago, right? Where my Chicago folks at, right? Listen, let me explain it to you in case you don't understand. Good can mean any number of things. Good can mean, hey, you good? Are you okay? You good. You are okay. <laughs> hey, you good? How have you been? <laughs> you good? Did you get enough? <laughs> you good. You're welcome. <laughs> You good? Stop talking to me. <laughs> no, you good, you good. No need to say sorry. <laughs> hey, you good? You need some money. <laughs> you good can mean a bunch of stuff if you're from here. Right, we say you good, I mean, it just means a number of things. So, so really, what does being good mean? Or at least in the extent of what we're talking about with God, what does it mean for God to be good? What does the goodness of God look like? And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to the book of Luke, because this is kind of what sparked this thought in my mind. In the, in the book of Luke, chapter 18, I'm just going to read two verses, verse 18 and 19, but this is a story of a rich young ruler who approaches Jesus with this question about uh, how to have eternal life and, and how to live right by God, and, and there's a whole thing in that. We're not going to go too deep into it, but I think the first two verses here are very interesting. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. Now at a glance, this passage might lead some to believe that Jesus is saying he's either not good or not God. But it really is quite the opposite. See, good teacher, that wasn't a normal term. There's nowhere in, in the Old Testament or in the rabbinical writings that we see a rabbi or a teacher referred to as good because to call somebody good meant that you were a teacher without fault. You were a, a perfect teacher. So Jesus isn't questioning his own goodness. He's questioning why the young man is calling Jesus good. What he's saying is, I know I'm good. 
Do you? Do you know who I am? Right? The goodness of God is something that God understands. But what he's pointing out to this person, saying, you're using that phrase, do you understand what that means? He's saying only God is good. In other words, I know I'm God and I know I'm good, but do you? Right? What is the goodness of God? And how does that relate to us? The goodness of God is a perfection of his character. It's his benevolence. It's the fact that he can strike us dead and doesn't. It's the fact that he shows mercy, love, grace, goodness, kindness, all the fruits of the spirit. The goodness of God is his perfection. We can do good, we can act good, but we can never really be good because only God is good. There's a certain level of us that'll never be good. There's a certain aspect of us, even from birth, that is not good. But God is not like yin-yang. God is not just a portion of good and evil. God is unbalanced in that he is only good all the time. And everything that God does, even the things we don't understand or like, are still good. And we can benefit greatly from the goodness of God. And so there's about four or five things that I want to look at this morning that I think are going to help us understand a little bit better about the goodness of God and what it leads you and I to. So if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. The goodness of God leads you to realize that I'm not good. The goodness of God leads you to realize that I'm not good. One of the most common excuses for people, for unbelievers, to say they don't need a savior, they don't need Jesus, they don't need any of that, usually is, I'm a good person. Why do I need God? I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't fight, I don't gamble. I am a good person, so I should deserve to go to heaven. I don't see why I got to jump through all these hoops. I don't see why I got to join a religion. As long as I just live a good life as a good person, then I should be good. But listen, Psalm chapter 53, verse 1 through 3. Only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. God looks down from heaven on the entire human race. Now notice that for a second, okay? Because in the beginning, he's talking about fools. So most of us are like, okay, well, I'm not a fool. But then he goes on to say that God looks down on the entire human race, believers and unbelievers. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. Now, again, this this might be problematic for some of us because we think, well, uh, what do you mean? I am a good person. Well, why are you telling me I'm not? Here's the problem, though, with why we often think we're good. The problem is that our measurement of goodness is measured against someone else's wickedness. And so, of course, you're good compared to that person. Of course, you're good compared to the worst common denominator. I'm a good person. I don't cheat on my spouse. I don't like that other person. I don't gossip like so-and-so. I didn't get arrested like that person. I'm not a rapist. I'm not a murderer. I'm not an abuser. Good, okay, for God, but not for you. Like, you get credit for that, for not being a murderer? I hope you're not. Like, that would be very nice to know if you were. I mean, that's like saying, I am the greatest martial artist on earth, but you've only ever fought third graders with white belts. I know you think you're good because you destroyed them, man. You really gave it to them that day. But that's not the measurement. 
See, when I measure my goodness to someone else's wickedness, of course I look good. But when I measure my goodness to God's righteousness and goodness, then I realize there is no comparison. Again, I've used this analogy before, but it always makes me laugh. It's like, listen, I know you dominate an export in the gym, you know, when everybody shows up playing basketball. I know, you know, you got hoop dreams like that. But when you actually watch an NBA game and you see somebody, it's like, no, 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 that, that's, that's a real thing. One of my guys, Georgie's here, uh, he, he fights MMA. There's all, some of us like, man, I grew up on the streets, I can fight. No, no, he can fight. You can maybe avoid getting hurt. <laughs> there is a difference between a professional and an amateur. And there's a difference between God's goodness and your goodness. And that's not bad. That only blesses you to understand I'm in need of God's goodness because my goodness is not enough because I inherently am not good. Most of us, if not all of us, we're not born wanting to do good. We're trained to a certain respect on how to do good, on how to act good, but we always constantly have to be reminded. That's not a very natural thing. Naturally, we want to do bad. Naturally, I just make fun of people in my head. I try not to. It's not good, but the jokes are funny, and it rises up in my brain. And so naturally, I have to curtail that because I think to myself, that's not good, Joey. Don't do that. That's not good. It's funny, but don't say it out loud because it's not good. God's goodness is so far beyond me that the fact that he even wants a relationship with me at all is simply because he's so good. You recognize that. It's important to understand that not one of us is good, not even one, because there's no one in this room who's perfect. No one in this room who hasn't made mistakes, present company included, okay? And so this is important because oftentimes when we buy into our goodness, it easily develops into self-righteousness, into thinking you're better than everybody else. No more so, if I can say, than on social media. Honestly, I'm just, I'm taking a break for the next week because I get a headache after a while because there is so much self-righteousness. So much, I'm better than you. I'm good, you're evil. No, 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 no. We were all enemies of God. And God's goodness is what gave us a relationship with him. It is God's goodness that even led us to him. As a matter of fact, if you're taking notes, the second thing is this. It's that the goodness of God is what leads you to repentance. When you recognize how not good you are, you are drawn to the goodness of God. Many in this world have accused God of not being good because he, quote unquote, allows evil in this world. They misinterpret God's goodness for weakness or apathy, right? Well, if God was really good, why doesn't he strike dead all those who are hurting people and all those who are doing evil? Why doesn't God just shun them? Why doesn't God eliminate them? Why doesn't God destroy them? First of all, he did it once, right? It's called the flood, and he promised he wasn't going to do that again. So if you're wondering, like, why God hasn't wiped out the evil in the world, because if he did, there might only be one family left, if that, (laughs) The reality is that God's goodness is meant to buy you time, you and everyone else, in order to repent. It's God's patience that makes his goodness. As much as we want God to strike down those who are evil, remember that same request can be said about you. Romans chapter two, verse four, listen to what the word of God says. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Right? 
It's, it's that goodness that bought you time. Some of us, you know, we took so long and, and even in recently we we're like, man, I had all this time in my life to repent and to come to God and, and it took till I, till I committed this situation or till I hit rock bottom or till I really messed up and suddenly I looked up and I saw the goodness of God accept me. But how horrible would it have been if God decided to pass judgment the first time you messed up? if God decided to pass judgment after you messed up. Because here's what happens, if we can just be very transparent and honest. Uh, I used to work at uh, Target as in the HR department, and one of the things we understood when it came to assets protection or theft is that if an employee, and we would warn employees not to steal, if an employee stole, we never stopped you. You can literally go into the register, pull out $3,000, put it in your pocket, I saw someone do it, we will not stop you. And the reason we never stopped you is because 100% guarantee, we know it for a fact, you will do it again. Why? Because nothing happened. And so what Target was trying to do is build a case against you. So now when they catch you the second time and the third time and they arrest you, you can't just be like, oh no, I didn't do that. No, we got two or three incidents on record, on tape, catching you doing that. You can't get out of it and now they prosecute you to the full extent of the law. My point with that is, a lot of times, we continue in sin because God didn't strike us down with lightning. And so we think, all right, nothing happened. This must be okay. And so we keep on sinning. We keep on living this way. We keep on doing the things because there's no consequences right now. But there will be a consequence eventually. And what you're misinterpreting is God's goodness for God's weakness. God is not weak and God will not be mocked. Judgment will come and justice will arise. But you got to understand that patience that he's giving you, the very reason he hasn't struck you down is because he's giving you time to get through your thick skull that you need me and that you're a sinner. Every one of us. Listen, I love what Charles Spurgeon said right here. Notice, dear friends, that the Lord does not drive you to repentance. Cain was driven away as a fugitive and a vagabond when he killed his righteous brother Abel. Judas went and hanged himself, being driven by an anguish of remorse because of what he had done in betraying his Lord. But the sweetness and best repentance is that which comes not by driving, but by drawing. The goodness of God leads me to repentance. God draws you in not out of a threat of hell, but out of a sense of love and acceptance and knowing I desire to be with you. Even though I saw what you've done, even though you've rejected me time and again, even though you don't even acknowledge me, my goodness goes beyond all your wickedness. When you get that, when you understand that, it draws you closer to God. See, if God were to try to drive that into you, it would drive you away. And many of us have done that to ourselves. In our own guilt, in our own shame, we have driven ourselves away from the Lord, but that was never the Lord's intention. He has given you grace, mercy, patience, and long-suffering in order to give you enough time, adequately enough, so that no one could say, well, God, you did me dirty. No, no, no. I gave you ample time to repent, and you refused. I thank God for his goodness and his patience Because even though I grew up in the church, there were times where I drifted and there were times where I was led astray and there were times where I wasn't sure what I was gonna do. But by the goodness of God, he led me back. If you're taking notes, the third thing is this. The goodness of God leads you to do good. 
And I mentioned that we can't be good, not in that very definition, but we can do good. When you've been on the receiving end of such goodness, it inspires you to do good to others. When you have had and received the long-suffering, patience, endurance of God, suddenly you are able to be a little bit more patient, long-suffering with others because you recognize, well, God did it for me, so I'm gonna do it for you. When you realize what God has forgiven you of, it's maybe a little bit easier to forgive somebody else's trespasses against you. It's his goodness that draws you to want to be good, to want to share, to have empathy for someone else, to look at someone else favorably, and to say, I want to help you. Psalm 119 verse 68 says, you are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. I want to learn from you, God. I want to learn how to be good. I want to learn how to act good. I want to learn how to do good. So when we do the back to school bash, it's not with the intention of trying to bait and switch and hey, we'll give you a backpack, but you got to come to our church now and you got to tithe faithfully and you got to be a member of everything. No, no, no. We're doing it because God is good and we want to demonstrate his goodness to everyone who doesn't maybe know his goodness. And so we spend a lot of money on that event to simply demonstrate the goodness of God. If we only did that event in an effort to swindle people into coming into the church, they wouldn't last anyway. Because as soon as they walk in, they'll see that there's no goodness in the room. So what we do is we demonstrate God's goodness outside. Well, how are you demonstrating God's goodness by giving out a snow cone? 115 degrees, snow cone is really good. Okay, it's gotten hot in some of those days that we've done that. But listen, again, I don't know if it's just a Chicago thing specifically because I get to travel all over the place. As a matter of fact, right after this, I'm going to go to Arkansas, pray for your boy. Cause I don't know how they're going to be down there. But I'm going to go to Arkansas. And, you know, they got that nice country stuff. Here, if somebody walks by you and tries to talk to you, you're like, <laughs> right? Hey, man, can I? No, I'm good. I'm good. Leave me alone. <laughs> right? But here's an opportunity as we draw them in with snow cones and backpacks and inflatables and all the little carnival games. Hey, there is no hidden agenda. God's good. And I want you to see how good God is. And I want you to see his goodness through me. And if I can be good to you, maybe you'll understand how good he is to me. That's the goodness of God. We don't naturally want to do good. It's really the opposite. But it's why goodness is a part of the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. The goodness we do and demonstrate is a reflection of God's goodness. So when you do good to others, remember the Bible says when you do good to others, you've done it unto me. When you serve others, when you visit others, when you do good to others, you have done it unto me. You want to repay God for his goodness? Be good to other people. Go out of your way to be good to somebody. And I'm not going to lie. There is a, a very wonderful reward that you get from being good to somebody, right? And it's not that that's our intention, but man, it can get pretty addictive. That feeling of knowing, man, this is, this is so great helping somebody and serving somebody. I remember for years in our youth ministry, we did uh, this event called Share the Love in the Grub where we would all gather together and we'd invite all the families. We'd have this big feast and there'd be like 200 people in this room and we all ate and it was wonderful and we got to share about the things God did in the youth ministry. But because of COVID, we had to adapt. And so because we couldn't do the dinner anymore, we started to do an outreach and we started to... Uh, 
cooperate with Convoy of Hope and some other organizations. And instead of getting in here eating food, we were out there in the parking lot distributing food to families in need. And I wasn't sure at first if the students would like that. Because instead of sitting down and feeding them this amazing meal, I'm making them do this whole assembly line of putting together, you know, 2,000 bags worth of groceries and coming in on a Saturday and hauling things back and forth and getting yelled at in traffic and having people drive by getting mad that we clogged up the traffic and throwing the middle finger at us. That was interesting. That was not good. (laughs) But what I loved is every single student after that, can we do that again? Why? It felt so good to do good. When you have the goodness of God, you suddenly start to express that goodness on other people. You start to see the needs that arise and you realize that God has equipped me by his goodness to be good to others. And the fourth thing is this. The goodness of God leads you to know God. The goodness of God is what leads you to know God. The reason Jesus confronts the rich young ruler and saying, why do you call me good is because he recognizes you don't know who I am, do you? You just think I'm a teacher. You just think I'm somebody with some answers. And really, that's what we look for more often in life. We don't want God, we want answers. We want recipes to a good life, but we don't want a good God. And so this young man comes up and says, good teacher, and Jesus points out, I'm not a teacher, but I am good. Obviously, Jesus is a teacher, but he said, I'm so much more than that. Only God is good, and that's me. The goodness of God will lead you to know God. How do I know that? Look at the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 33. In this book, uh, we're, we're reading through the story of God and Moses and setting the Israelites free from slavery in Egypt. And so throughout this chapter, in chapter 33, uh, God and Moses are having this back and forth because uh, Moses is kind of willing, but not really. And so he's going, well, God, what about this? And God gives him an answer. And he goes, well, how about this? And God gives him an answer. And they keep going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And eventually, Moses gets to the point where he's like, well, if I'm going to do this, I should at least be able to see your glory. Let me see you. So Moses said, verse 18, please show me your glory. And he said, meaning God, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. What God is saying is, hey, I'm too big for you to look at me. Not in size, but in scope. For you to look upon the Lord means literal death, right? And so Moses is asking to see God's glory and God is willing to oblige, but I want you to notice something. Moses asked to see the glory of God. God responds by showing him his goodness. Why? Because the glory of God is encompassed in his goodness. You wanna know who God is? God is good. Patient, kind, loving, powerful, all that, good. Your rebukes, good. Your correction, good. Your leading, good. Everything God does is good because he is good. And so how do I want to know God? I want to know God. I want to understand God. I want to you know, get closer to God. Learn his goodness. See his goodness in everything that he does. And that's the problem I think a lot of times is we don't see God as good. 
We see him as angry. We see him as a punisher. We see him as, um, you know, somebody who we need to be afraid of because if we step out of line, we don't get to heaven. Listen, we were already going to hell. God just gave us a way to get to heaven in his goodness. It's not that God was sending us somewhere. He was leading us back somewhere. The goodness of God encompasses every character trait and every aspect of who God is. You want to know God? Know his goodness. You want to know God? Live in his goodness. Abide in his goodness. Understand his goodness. Worship team, if you can help me out. Now that's easy to say. Because when, most of the time, we only think God is good when we see good things happen to us. Right? You're doing your laundry, you look in your jeans, you pull out 20 bucks, God is good. <laughs> God is good, right? Anytime something fortunate happens to you, anytime you're in a situation and, and things work out, you're like, hey man, God is good. What happened? Oh, this situation, I have this area. We roll, man, praise God, he's good. And I'll be honest with you, just because I'm that kind of person, I like to be open and transparent. Over the last couple of months, and I'm not surprised by it because of the new assignment that God has given us and where we're at, there have been a number of situations that have been happening to me and my family that have not been good in man's eyes. I mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago, but uh, my mother this last month or in May was diagnosed with kidney cancer. And that's not good. And so, you know, we were all, you know, for a moment there was this sense of dread and, and worry. But it was interesting because when we found out, my initial reaction was peace. And I remember looking at my wife going, God is so good. Well, how can you say that when a loved one has cancer? Well, for me, I can say that because the only reason we found out about her cancer was because she had a UTI, couldn't get a doctor's appointment because at that time, you, we were waiting weeks to get a doctor's appointment. And remember how I mentioned some of the stuff we were doing in the parking lot with the food drive? Well, I remember when the pandemic first happened, I was getting frustrated because as a church, I didn't feel like we were doing enough. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm frustrating you because I'm calling you to do something. And so I didn't want to do that because I don't want to take on more work, just being transparent with you. But I decided to make some calls and no doors were opening until Joseph's mom called me. And she said, hey, my organization is partnering with the Alderman and we're looking for a church with a parking lot on the Northwest side to distribute food to the local schools. We'll provide everything. You just need to provide the people to hand it out. Well, that sounds good. <laughs> and so we started that partnership. And that partnership ended up being a partnership with the Alderman's office. And then the Alderman's office later on was looking for a location to do vaccinations for COVID. And again, we volunteered because 2,000 people walked through our church who had never walked through our church. And the people who they contracted to do that vaccination loved us, fell in love with the church, approached me later on and said, Pastor Joey, would you consider sitting on our board? And I said, yes, because that sounds cool. I'll be on the board. By the way, they don't pay you to be on boards. I thought maybe like a stipend or something. No, you just freely give your time. But I wanted the experience. I wanted to learn. I thought, hey, listen, I want to do good. So I sat on that board for a year. Well, flash forward to my mom and her UTI. Can't get an appointment. I said, I'm doing this for free. Y'all better at least see my mom. So I called the 
doctors and right away that day they saw my mother treated her UTI but then when they did her urine test they found microscopic blood in her urine they gave her a referral we took her to a couple of hospitals got some more tests done and eventually we found that she had a tumor on her kidney that was cancerous why is God good? because it was stage one because it was operable and just yesterday she came home the 90% of her kidney intact the tumor completely removed and God willing cancer free so you can look at that and I can say God is good right but then two weeks ago I mentioned this in the prayer meeting my wife and I end up having a miscarriage we found out that weekend that we were pregnant and then about four or five days later while I was in New Mexico speaking at a camp my wife called me and told me that the baby wasn't going to survive it was only about two weeks old is God still good? God is good and I got the news and I processed and I cried and I looked up to God and I said you're still good to me God and then as we went through the process I started to recognize more and more the goodness of God I started to realize that it wasn't by coincidence that we got the news that Tuesday because that Tuesday night I was talking about open wounds and how God wants to heal you and how God wants to restore you and how God wants to bind what the enemy tried to do and so what did I do? I took what the enemy thought he could use to harm me and the Lord turned it to good that we might save the lives of many and my openness and my transparency opened the door for students to come with their own wounds and their own issues and I thought listen if I'm going to go through this something good out of it and at that altar I said guys I'm I'm gonna respond I'm asking you to join me and for 20 minutes I just cried out to the Lord and I was overwhelmed with the goodness of God my wife had time to process in the hospital away from our two daughters the Lord gave her scriptures that encouraged her and moved her and when we came back Honestly, there were parts where we were joking about it. And I'm not saying that everything's good. I'm saying God's good. My situation, that, that stinks. But God in his mercy and grace has guided us through it lovingly. And I'm not bitter and I'm not sad and I'm not upset. Because God has set that child apart for himself. And I'll be with my kid again. So I'm not worried about that. What I love is throughout the pain and the hurt, God was with us and God is with us because God is good. So I'm going to ask you to stand. You might be going through something this morning that in your own eyes is not good. That really nobody in this room is going to deny. Man, that's a hard situation. And you might even be in that season where you're questioning the goodness of God. Because maybe the outcome isn't what you hoped it would be. What I've come to learn over the years in my life is that regardless of my situation or the outcome of my situation, God is still good. All the time, God is good. And the goodness of God 
it leads me to worship him. Why? Because worship is so much more than music. Worship is the acknowledgement of who God is. First Chronicles 16.34 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Psalm 107 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. So my mother was saved and my child wasn't. Regardless of the circumstance, God, you're good. You're a good God. And I don't say that hoping and wishing that you're good. I say that because in the midst of worship, I experience the goodness of God. So here's what we're going to do. The worship team is going to lead us in a time of worship. And I need you to understand something. This isn't the end. This is the response. So I know sometimes in our mental mind, music starts, that's our cue to go get our bags and get our kids. That's not your cue. Your cue right now is to worship God. Why? Because God is good. And God is deserving of our worship. But here's what we're going to do with that. If you're in this room, and maybe like me, you're going through something that's not good, and you're struggling, and you're doubting, and you're hurting, while the rest of us are worshiping, I want to invite you to this altar where you will also worship, but we're going to pray for you, and we're going to ask that the goodness of God.